0: Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer, a.k.a. Sirgan Carr. I'm here with Mike Tamburo in this podcast episode. He has gone by Crown of Eternity. He's released music under that name, under Mike Tamburo. And he is also known or was known within the Kundalini Yoga community as Harnek Singh. So you may have heard him by various appellations, but today we'll be referring to him as Mike. And I'm talking to him about, you know, everything that's kind of happened to him after um, the information, you know, about Yogi Bhajan's abuses has surfaced to the greater population. Um, Since the last podcast we did, uh, Mike and I was before all of that. And so he's talking about his life post that and also kind of post-coronavirus being a full-time gigging musician uh, suddenly not getting to do that anymore. So his life has changed quite a bit. Um, I wanted to point you also to some previous episodes that I've done. If you're curious about this mention that I've made to um, the abuses uh, by Yogi Bhajan and the Kundalini Yoga community, I've done a Few podcasts on this, so you can check out the ones with Matthew Remsky. There's two there. There's one with Guru Ganesha Singh, where that is the main topic of conversation. Also, Nadine Stellavado Brown, Um, she grew up in the 3HO community. That is a really powerful one. I speak with Jules Hartley, who's an actress, about it. And um, it's mentioned you know, a little bit in the one with Ajit, but that's not the main focus of that one either. So if you want to catch up on what I've done on that topic, go for it. But for this one, we're going to be chatting with Mike. He's going to be telling me about his music projects, these really cool instruments that he's building, um, his passion for gongs and sound healing and all that jazz here we go. So I think we had like a purpose for this when we talked about it first, but we can either go with that or we can talk about whatever is most on your mind.
1: Oh, I don't even remember what that purpose was. Um, I think
0: we, because I think it had to do with some conversation about like kind of your your journey kind of stepping out of the framework of kundalini yoga and deciding to go on your own gong journey Mm. something like that
1: yeah sure that sounds like a uh like some kind of good thread of thought for me to process (laughs) here we go in front of you (laughs) and other
0: people (laughs) on a podcast (laughs) uh
1: well, you know, first of all, I'm just really grateful that, um, you know, I have a strong connection to music and I think that has always been uh, my practice. You know, and, and I think that uh, I was having a lot of experiences with music that, you know, where I was losing sense of time or sometimes I was like dissolving or, or you know, Really having deep, energetic experiences. This is before Kundalini Yoga. This is actually what brought me to Kundalini Yoga. I was trying to understand what that was. I was like, is there some kind of state that I'm getting into? Is there some kind of you know, place in my consciousness that activates whenever I'm playing, you know, music that I can just have on all the time. Uh, you know, I'd been experimenting with psychedelics a lot when I was younger, and and uh, you know, sort of the same thing. You know, what's going on there? Whenever everything is dissolving, um, you know, all these different boundaries that i put up. So, you know, I think I came to Kundalini from that perspective of um, you know, self-discovery and and self-exploration and. Um, you know, I'd already been in, in a lot of different states of consciousness. Um, I liked the fact that I could sustain it uh, with, with Kundalini Yoga, where it was just sort of like, oh, here's my base level of um, awareness and, and, and my, my base level of feeling. Uh, you know, I learned a lot from it. I think it started getting to a point, and this is more about me than maybe anyone else, because I, I started, I think, you know, I would get into it, and, and, then I, and, and then I'd, like, step back, and I think that's something that happened a lot to me over the years, but, like, I, when I'd get into it, I was, like, really deeply into it, and the way my mind works, I want to uh, understand how something works, you know, like, I want to go into it, I want to dig into it. Um, so, you know, I looked at a lot in practice, a lot of different exercises and meditations, and I tried to do it all earnestly. You know, I tried to really go into it. Um, I think at a certain point though, you know, I, I was at solstice and this had a really weird interaction with one of the teachers and, uh, and this was maybe in 2000, and I'm trying to think, we just finished recording, maybe it was in 2014. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was so turned off, like I actually left solstice. Like I, I just like, I did not want to be in the same place as this person. I felt like the negativity that was coming out of them was more than anything that I wanted to be around. Was it,
0: was it personal to you or was it just an observation of something?
1: It was, it was, I think personal to me, um, in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I felt like I was getting sick actually around a teacher. Like I, I felt like they were, uh, sort of maybe like manipulating the world around them in a certain way to, uh, you know, suit their needs and I didn't want to be involved in those needs. And, uh, yeah, I just, I didn't like the experience. Um, but that sort of snapped me out of something. And that was, it was interesting because I was still making, you know, the, the devotional music and so I'm still touring and and, and doing, you know, going to, to concerts. But at that point, I think that, uh, I started to become more myself. Again, like there was just something that was like, Hey, I don't know that this is what I want to be a part of, uh, fully, you know? And I think that that was really the only time where I had, you know, sort of like a terrible experience with somebody, but there were just always like little things, you know, being around, uh, different people. And and I mean, it's just like, you're meeting people. And I have my neuroses and and, you know, everybody has their neuroses, but I, I think that, um, you know, for me, I just, I felt like there was more than what, just what Yogi Bhajan said. Um, and I feel like that, that mantra was was more to
0: spirituality, you mean than what Yogi Yeah, there was more
1: to life and there was more to being with people and there was more to critical thinking, um, than necessarily, you know, what he had thought of (laughs) or, or what he had communicated with people. Uh, I think that right around that time, I had met somebody who was um i had spent a lot of time with somebody that was um like older in in, in the oops excuse me <laughs> <laughs> let me shut that off that, that, okay.
0: that wasn't just like any random sound that was that was high. <laughs> yeah
1: i like the upper octaves a lot well actually, played <laughs> um but uh yeah you know I, I was I was talking to somebody that was there i think in the beginning and had done the trips to india and, and and you know he was really just like move away from 3ho they're going to stifle your creativity they're not going to be able to accept you as like your full person and uh and, and and I guess like the way things started to play out in my life was like, you know, I just wanted people to like me for who I was and not necessarily <laughs> being some kind of teacher or being some kind of model. Um, you know, so there was a lot going on in, in the background and Galena and I were having lots of discussions and lots of different interactions, but, uh, you know, my relationship just started changing. And I think that my identity being like so wrapped up in things, I mean, like that was like, you know, it's interesting whenever you go so deep into something that you start to identify with it as a part of you. Um, And then to start to loosen that up, I, I mean, I think I'm still in the process of this happening. But uh you know I, th- I think it started happening around then. I mean, like even in the training, you know like i I already had had a lot of experiences. I'd even seen other teachers, I'd had um, you know Shakti put initiation and, and uh and, and and so like you know my Kundalini was you know something I was already looking at. It was just a matter of um, you know the discipline that I thought was required around it. mm
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. is that kind of the biggest thing that you? you took away from teacher training was, was discipline or? Well,
1: yeah, I, I think that my identity changed. I mean, I, I, I think that, and I may have mentioned this before, but like, you know, fake it till we make it like, you know, like they, they, mm-hmm. they said stuff like that a lot. And I think that that had maybe in, in the long run, a very negative impact on me. You know, I, I think that it allowed me and in, in my early teaching to create a, an air around me that um maybe it wasn't actually my air <laughs> i think I, I think I put like you know somebody else's air on top of my air and, yeah uh, yeah and you know i just wanted to do a good job you know and, and and uh i think for the most part i did you know i definitely made some mistakes Um, I mean, it's a beautiful technology. I I, I think that you know, getting together with a group of people, breathing together, moving together, singing together, you know, all of that is wonderful. Making meals together. um, I don't know. I I think in some ways I I maybe wasn't even mature enough at the time, even though I thought I was.
0: Mature enough for...
1: I think to like hold together a large group of people over a long period of time. Oh, in
0: terms, yeah. In terms of your own teaching. Yeah. You know what struck me when I started to look back at times that I taught and I, I didn't go deep into teaching. Uh, I taught workshops, but not like classes, but the, I felt like the teacher training, there, there was an, an underlying message that, you know, everything we teach you is truth and mm-hmm. you can just like, just say these things to your students you know just you know, say say these things and and i would and i looked back and i'm at, at things that i would say during class and after i decided to leave my marriage and you know the community i was in um i actually started to say things and then i'd go wait is that true or did i just pick that up from teacher training like is that real <laughs> you know like like the um the acid bath that goes around the the uh, the baby supposedly that's that's a boy, uh-huh. in the mother's womb. Like I I, I I was explaining that to somebody, and I was like, wait, is that medically true, <laughs> or is? So I don't know. And I tried looking it up. I don't know if you have the answer to that. But I, I do
1: It's not even something that I held on to.
0: Uh, well, I mean, you know, it didn't, it didn't. I think it's like, interesting.
1: Like different <laughs> different aspects of of what are said to you as a student are what you hold on to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's amazing to me what my my students tell me that I said to them. (laughs) I'm like, that's what you got out of what I said. (laughs) uh, That that might be more on me than them. uh, Uh,
0: No, no one's hearing, no one's hearing the same thing.
1: Yeah. Well, and and I guess that's what's going on. You're filtering it through everything else that you've experienced. and, and, And a lot of times, you know, we're, we, we went somewhere and they're essentially promoting complete lifestyle change, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much like every single level. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, so it's interesting to look at yourself in that many ways, first of all, but then looking back, it's interesting to see how many ways you changed or and like where you, you retained your, your, yourself. Yeah. Um, and when I started teaching the gong, <clears throat> the gong is really just such a useful tool for, for community and and, and for consciousness. Um, you know I, I had understood some of the history of the gong before kundalini yoga, you know before yogi bhajan started sharing it so it wasn't like a new thing and mm-hmm. there were a lot of different traditions so, so I, I had already understood that and, and the gong to become a very effective teacher it asked me to be able to share a very wide view of it. Uh, so I think for my first few classes maybe they were kundalini centric but then I realized that I would do much more good if I shared it from, from more of a universal perspective um, and and a cultural perspective and actually could see what was happening with the gong and Kundalini yoga as being a part of, you know, a longer history of the instrument. You know, so I I think now even I'm able to look at it more as like an ethnomusicologist. Um, You know, I, I, I think that uh, a lot of, there's just like a lot of weird stuff said about the gong there's a lot of really weird thoughts about the gong there's a lot of superstitions around the gong
0: i was gonna um, say that yeah that that, that was i weird. mean it's all very
1: interesting to me you know and, and, and uh to look at culturally but i mean it, it a lot of it just seems like uh people that don't really understand the instrument talking about it
0: Mm-hmm. Well, again, um, because you were taught that you don't really need, you just need to, which was the opposite of what was said, is that you just, you can just repeat these things. You don't need to, you don't need to actually, uh, I don't know, give me an example, <laughs> like, like you know, keeping your hair long, for example, yeah. like, you know, just tell people that it's not a good idea to cut their hair. That's perfectly okay. You don't have to, you're, you're just sort of anyway. But I'm thinking like if Yogi Bhajan said it about the gong, then I think a teacher would feel confident in expressing that opinion.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, he didn't really talk much about the gong from what I can tell. Um, you know, the, the, when you look at the interviews and, and, and the, the teaching, mm-hmm. it sort of seemed like he's like figured out for yourself, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I know there is that video, but that was like one moment in time that was, like, captured. It doesn't seem like it was, like, really a gong class.
0: It was, uh, it was, I don't know what that video oh, was. Oh, there,
1: there's, like, a video where, where he's talking about the gong. Mm. But, uh, and he's giving a certain direction.
0: I think but, he told uh, me about that video when we were in teacher training, actually, but I don't think I've ever seen it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, to me, the most important part of gong playing is listening. And I think that it's what was being, you know, shown is is maybe just somebody having a mallet in their hand and connecting it to the instrument, but not really considering the nuance. In fact, like they would say, like a lot of time, if you're looking too much at the nuanced aspect of the gong that you're out of the space or, or something like that. But to me, it's a part of listening, you know, I'm just trying to understand and work with what's happening from the instrument. Work with the rhythms that are, are forming. You know, listen to the different clusters of of overtones, and you know, be able to work with them in different ways. Because
0: um, you play quite gently, right? Most of the time. Well, I I,
1: I I use the full dynamic range based on you know everything from silent to uh, you know like a train coming at you. Mm. Um, but generally speaking i'm not playing like a train is coming at you all that often Yeah. You know, but i can you know mm-hmm. I, I mean that's that's a, a part of uh you know i i i've played the gong that loud i think i've gotten quieter over the years i i had a teacher who who haven't an, an we friend. all what's that
0: <laughs> haven't we all
1: well you know i i i i I'd met this guy named mitchner who, who i work with now in uh in an online course called dig deeper Um, But Mitch makes you get like right in front of the gong, like put your ear like right on top of the gong and play it as quietly as you can and hear like the first movements of the gong and what they sound like. And you're using a really small mallet. And he just had us do this like day after day after day. It it was incredible ear training. Um, And it gave me a, a completely different perspective of the instrument. You know, this was just a few years ago. But I mean, you know, I'm still able to change. I'm still growing as a musician. And, 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 uh, and so it's like he showed me this element of, of I mean, if, if if I would step away like a foot from the gong, it would sound like the gong is not playing at all. Hmm. And, and it, it made me really start tuning into some subtle aspects of the playing that I think I, I personally was missing at the time. And i had been teaching for a few years as well. I just hadn't done it that way before I I hadn't had that experience. It was probably even a a deeper experience for me having not done it that way. Uh, And and, and then, you know, years and years after first starting to play the gong, be be shown something else. That was really useful. Um, So it it opened up my dynamic range to go much quieter. And then I, I started to also understand like the subtlety of what happens in a silent room whenever something starts uh vibrating quietly and and how long that takes to to build and what happens whenever a person tunes into it and and uh, actively and attentively listens to it or otherwise could be very easily uh tuned out you know so so there are these very subtle spaces and, and i think as a facilitator it allowed me even further subtlety in how I was working with the listeners and, and how I was preparing them and then what kind of soundscape I was going to present to them. Uh, so that was really useful. So my idea at this point is um, you know, to kind of create like a base level for what I consider to be like the comfortable volume and then work below that for a while Mm -hmm. And then like meet that space and then come just a little bit above that, but not so much that it's actually, you know, going to be like truly loud, but it's actually psychologically louder than where the listener has Mm -hmm. been. And so it's perceived as being something really loud, but you know, that, that sort of, uh, you know wall of fantasy that is that is created that this is loud you know disappears if somebody like talks in the room or if somebody coughs in the room or, or or something like that it's just people are in such a deep listening space that uh you know it's like more frequencies every everything that comes along with the gongs and volume uh, i I think it becomes more pronounced in, in that very deep listening space um yeah, I feel like I I sort of left something hanging there in the beginning, um, so you know back to my path I guess away from Kundalini yoga and I mean I, I gotta say like I, I've used Kundalini yoga to uh, to heal myself a number of times you know and and, and I still believe in in doing it um, you know I I don't think I'll ever teach it again but, um, you know, there was like, I, I thought I had left a few years ago
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I, I had a, uh, an infection in my body last year. I I'd had, uh, or two years ago, I had a stomach infection hmm. and, uh, and it just, it it kind of just ravaged me in a certain way. It was something I, I and, and, uh, then I had a tooth pulled and that infection kind of just like moved and met and and, and I thought I was dying like I couldn't eat and uh I was driving across the country actually and I just started chanting and uh and you know I was doing long drives I was trying to get from California to Massachusetts and, and probably shouldn't have been driving at all Uh, And and after all this chanting and the movement and all the changes that were going on, I think that uh, I I had this very, very deep energetic experience. And it's sort of like my body spasmed and moved in a way that like, you know, it had never really moved before. And uh, and I sweat like crazy and I, I released that infection. And then I just started practicing Kundalini Yoga again because hmm. like I had so much energy moving in my body that like if I wasn't going to practice Kundalini yoga I think it would have given me I mean it honestly was a very neurotic time in my life now that I look back at it but I think it would have been worse um you know so it definitely brought me back you know so that gave me a different view of it and and, and uh because it was there for me when I really needed it mm-hmm. um you know, so it's like, i always tell somebody to do breathing exercises. If I see that they need to do breathing exercises, i always tell somebody to work on their spine if I think that they need to work on their spine. I mean, there are certain elements that like, I've definitely learned from my own experience that have had great benefit on me. Um, You know, so, so I'm grateful for that. I had heard a lot of stuff about Yogi Bhajan, I think as I was touring and, uh, and, and coming from both ways that, you know, like there were lies and then also mm-hmm. that, um, that it was true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody who had been in, in some kind of uh, legal situation with Yogi Bhajan you know, told me that Yogi Bhajan would often sue people back and then have, have it sealed or, or, you know, something to, to that, To that effect. And
0: and so as I started
1: looking at everything, you know, a little bit closer, I saw that, you know, a lot of it was sealed. And that maybe it was for that reason.
0: Sealed Uh, means that there's, there's no record?
1: Well, like, like everybody signs like non-disclosure agreement Uh, and, and, uh, and it's not something on the public record. Um, necessarily like it's, it, it's, it's not something that I'm not sure oh, actually yeah. how it all works. I may be stepping out of my element.
0: Of <laughs> I was about... going to ask you some other legal advice, but so I yeah,
1: don't, I'm not, I'm not actually a lawyer, <laughs> 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 but you know, a lot of it was just like hearsay, but, um, you know, in, in the environment that I had grown up with and, and a lot of things that had happened to my mother, um, I think that I understood how, how cruel men can be. Hmm. And, um, and I, I just I didn't feel comfortable, I think, like promoting him along with myself anymore. As grateful mm-hmm. as I am for, you know, some of what I learned, and I never met him, you know, so I mean, it's sort of just like this abstract figure or, or TV character as far as I'm concerned. I mean, mm-hmm. like you know, I've watched videos and, and, you know, I mean, I know he was very real to a lot of people, but I'd never met him.
0: Do you think that if you had, you would have you would have gotten involved? I'm Not sure. I can almost I say it... with certainty that I, I would not. Like if I had had to be the one to sort of translate what he was saying, you know, because there's there was so much like um, coherent making like editing going on, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, so, the is, is yeah, life- I have and- had
0: like the raw unedited, I don't think I don't think I would have stuck around, especially if he had asked me to do like, you know, send my kids to India or something like that, I would have been like, "Ciao." <laughs> mm-hmm. But but as as somebody who was not that present, you know, whose whose teachings I enjoyed at the time, I think it was easier for me to get involved.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd read a lot of his his lectures. I mean, actually, I think that I'd printed out like 3,000 pages of lectures and read them. And and this was maybe, this was before I had done training.
0: Well, this is like Um, the unedited?
1: Yeah, it's just like straight, you know. Okay, yeah. And and, uh, I mean, he's all over the place. (laughs) It's it's very stream of consciousness. Uh, You know, he'd pick up certain lectures in different cities you know he'd start talking about something and then continue to talk about it somewhere else um
0: do you know i always just thought i wasn't smart enough (laughs) to understand what he was saying
1: well like how
0: it threaded together
1: well i mean i think that's i'll say there are times in my life where i just start talking and sometimes i say some really good (laughs) stuff but
0: then sometimes i'm like
1: You know, it's sort of, you know, like the instrumental section or or, or, or something like that. It's like saying um or like, but I'll I'll have sometimes nice paragraphs of that. Yeah, but you'd, you'd own
0: up to it, though, wouldn't you? You'd be like, yeah, you know, those parts, they didn't all fit together. But I feel like he he feel like he was like, no, that was all a continuous flow of genius, and you didn't get the thread, you know? I, I don't know that that was being said, but that was always the way that I understood it. Like, there was some, there was some, like, I don't know, thread. Well,
1: was, he got my mind thinking, about a lot of things, Uh, but then as I I started looking for, you know, deeper for answers in terms of what was, what was prana and, and and really we don't actually even know. I mean, like I got to the point where it was like, you know, I'm really talking to people and it's like, you know, it's okay that we don't actually know this yet. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay that there are elements of of the psyche that we don't understand. It's okay that there are elements of biology and bioenergetics that we don't understand. And it's better to say that we don't understand it because then we can keep looking for it. Right. You know, I mean, like, I, I think that's the, the problem, you know, for me, like, Kundalini Research Institute should be researching this. I mean, <laughs> there, there should be, like, you know, no,
0: I know. a that
1: of people that with, too. Like, you know, doing, you know, heart math and, and, and doing, uh, you know, some kind of wiring uh, in terms of, of what's happening in the brain. And I know they've done this a little bit, but it, it should be like, has to be done over and over and over again can't just be like one person that's not how science works
0: well it's also re- yeah right so the one person being yogi bhajan because the research that they're doing is is sort of a a filing of the same information right it's They're like, researching how- him yeah 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 but, but
1: they're not but, researching kundalini
0: but they're not finding much then because i mean did well did you read that paper that philip philip de Slip wrote about mahan um
1: yeah, I read that. Maharaja
0: to Mahantantric?
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, that seemed like he actually researched it, that it was like footnoted, you know, like he knew where the information was coming from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's an, that's a, an interesting paper. I mean, I feel like there's still probably more to the story, and, and I don't think that yoga was like as organized at that point as it is now, and, and and, you know, sometimes he mentions just like going somewhere and learning a meditation from somebody. I mean, that's not like... Mm-hmm. a book anywhere or anything like that i mean it's like mm-hmm. i mean from what i learned from yogi bhajan really is like if you bring attention and do anything you'll have an experience you know so i could put my arms in any experience, any position mm-hmm. and sit with it for long enough breathing and i'm gonna have some kind of experience of my mm-hmm. arms being in that position and my consciousness you know following following suit. I mean, especially as he gets older and he starts, you know, just giving these like exercises where like, you know, hold up one finger for, you know, three hours, Right. you know, I mean like, well, it's interesting because like, I mean, I, what happens, like he said, his index finger, what happens if I hold up my pinky? So and I started trying stuff like that, uh, just to see, you know, it, what the difference was or, or if there was a difference. Um, and there's always a difference because I'm always different. <laughs> you know, it's like, I have more information based on each experience I have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's, I had stopped really talking about Yogi Bhajan and I really tried to not say his name. I mean, there's like a very embarrassing period in my life, I think from like, maybe like, Four, four or five years where it's like I'm still hanging out with yogis and and still doing some of the yoga but like I think I'd started just focusing more on the gong and a lot of what I was doing I think was like helping people unlearn what they had heard about the gong hmm. and so it was like very useful from my perspective of like having listened to everything that was said about the gong within Kundalini yoga and and I I have the experience and listen to people play at full volume and listen to people play erratically, Um, you know, that was really useful because otherwise I don't know what, like if I was looking at it from purely like a musical perspective, um, I'm not sure what I would have thought, you know, hearing people play like that. Hmm. And and I think as I started to think about it, it's a musical (laughs) Hmm. instrument more. I, I think that those questions were also very important for me, you know, to to, to say like, oh, well, maybe it shouldn't be played that way. Um, and of course, I'd seen the gong being played in different ways, uh, even before Kundalini Yoga. So I, I knew that there was already like other variety. But it, it's, it was interesting because there, there was almost like this is supposed to be a, a separation from a musical experience in terms of how the gong was approached. Like it was something else, it wasn't music. And in and, and, and Shavasana, mm-hmm. like it was like Shavasana with the gong, but it wasn't music, um, is kind of what was being promoted.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, when uh, a lot of times there would be music that played under it too.
1: Sure, sure, yeah, some people like that. Um, you know, for, for me it was like, there's a lot of potential in the instrument. I think there's a lot of potential for, for like learning and teaching around the instrument that, uh, you know, cause it's an instrument where there, you could look at it and learn about physics. You can look at it and, and learn about, you know, psychoacoustics. You could look at it and learn about psychology. <clears throat> you could look at it and, 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 you know, learn about, uh, you know, nerve endings and, and how the nervous system works and, and, and learn about what it's like to you know, listen to a sound that fills up an entire space acoustically. Mm-hmm. I and mean, there, there, there was a lot there. There was a lot, there was a lot for me to, to explore. Uh, beyond just the meditational, uh, you know, effects that it had, um, you know, that was like sort of included in it, you know, It's also interesting to me that, you know, the gong used during shavasana after doing a bunch of kundalini yoga, can completely make you disappear. I mean, it's, you know, so mixing it with like a bunch of movement and breathing and then listening to an instrument that has, you know, a broad spectrum of frequencies and, and, you know, pushes a lot of air around in the room, you know, has a certain, you know, impact. I mean, that's, that's, that was that's still fascinating to me. You know, I just wanted, I just want people to have a, uh, a wide view of the instrument because so what I've seen propagated a lot is like a very narrow thinking around within the kundalini community was very narrow very narrow thinking around the instrument and really like a bunch of like you shouldn't do this you know like hmm. it was like here is it has the most rules of any instrument that I've ever hmm. experienced in my life right. uh or proposed yeah. rules
0: right I mean there were a lot of rules in general yeah
1: yeah Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think that there was a certain time, and I may have talked about this in the last session, I can't remember, I feel like I said this in the last year, but um, I think at first, you know, like having certain things lined up and having some rules, that was useful for me. Yeah, it was for
0: me too.
1: I I had been doing like a lot of touring before that. I was, uh, you know, I'd spent like, you know, four years on tour. And then I started doing Kundalini Yoga. I was introduced to Kundalini Yoga while I was touring and it was like, okay, I'm gonna get off tour and I'm gonna start doing Kundalini Yoga. And then, you know, I met uh, Galina and uh, you know, went through our whole adventure together. And, and, you know, like that was certainly a part of it. And, uh, you know, got really into it enough that I made, you know, albums. I dedicated my, a lot of my music to to the practice and, and. Uh, but I think also, you know, I, I had a lot of other musical needs that, you know, the mantra albums weren't, weren't providing. I mean, they provided some, but I also wanted to make, you know, experimental music. I wanted to make, mm-hmm. you know, ambient music. I wanted to make, you know, soundscapes. I just had other interests. And so like, I sort of had, I don't want to say a side hustle because like I, I, I see it all as being like a continuum of my music, but, um, but I was always doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and always just looking at the different potentials, you know, that the different timbres provide, um, which I think led to my interest in like you know different gongs and, and, and different sizes of gongs and different alloys. Um, you know, just a lot of, a lot of. I'm uh, just pretty inquisitive, I guess. <clears throat> and the gong is very different than other instruments um you know you you, with like a string or with the voice you're following the harmonic series which is essentially you have like your, your lowest frequency so we'll call that the fundamental and then to get the overtones above that or the harmonics above that you would simply multiply the fundamental by the next number so the fundamental multiplied by one would be the fundamental by two would be the—that's um, like the octave—but it would be the second harmonic. By three would be the third harmonic, up through whatever number you chose, and you can do that as very simple math. Um, I think there's something you know very inherent in that. But when you look at an instrument like a drum, or uh, like a gong or a bell, it actually follows a different series. Uh, you know, it's very much based on. Uh, it doesn't follow the harmonic series, it follows like modes of vibration that are actually occurring within the instrument. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, an instrument has a certain amount of flexibility, a, a certain amount of uh, rigidity, um, you know, certain size. And so really what you're considering is like, how sound is moving through the instrument and what sounds are coming out of the instrument. And so, uh, you know, with, with, with gongs, I, I think because it's always changing, it's not like the same sound over and over again. Like, if I if I hit a string, there's only so many sounds that I can get out of a string. You know, mm-hmm. It's pretty predictive. Uh, with, with a gong, it's actually very much unpredictable, and then it, it changes very quickly. You know, you can strike it somewhere else on the instrument, and that will excite it. You know, it's exciting physically, a different part of the metal, but then different tones are coming out of the instrument because you've struck it there. I guess I hadn't
0: um, really thought of that. So are you, I mean, like, I just never thought of it. That seems really obvious. But you couldn't guarantee a particular tone, even if you knew exactly where on the gong to strike?
1: Well, you could consider it's never going to be exactly the same. I can never do something exactly the same. I can do something almost the same.
0: Mm-hmm. But is it almost the same in the sense that like the violin yesterday is different than the violin today, or is it? it,
1: it... I, I think that it's in terms, so, you know, I've tried to compose with gongs. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I've, I have pieces that I, I've done, you know, night after night. And I mean, certainly there's feeling that comes along with it as well. You know, every song can be a little bit different. Um, but in terms of, of, because you, you have to get the exact amount of force. Mm. Mm-hmm. You have to get the exact location at the exact you know angle. But it's not like you know there are frequencies that and, and and then your mallet is really important, as well. So I mean there's just there's so many different factors. So it's like I can put a bunch of that in place and do something similar, but I can't do it exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And also you know every every room is gonna make that instrument sound different. And, uh, and then also just, you know, like I'm a little bit different every time I strike it. Mm-hmm. Like what is going to be the same is like you'll, you'll see a similar bandwidth, but certain overtones will be louder or softer within that bandwidth. And so, and, and, and I can use a small mallet and, and I'm not going to activate any of the lower tones or if I use, you know, a larger mallet, I'm not gonna activate a lot of the higher tones. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of different considerations. But then also if the gong is already vibrating, it's like you're you're kind of meeting like you're distorting the instrument whenever you whenever you strike it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's like here I'm distorting it at say like three o'clock and then I'm I'm distorting it somewhere at like, you know, six o'clock just to kind of give us an idea of around. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, the gong is in, in motion when I'm striking it at six o'clock. So I don't know, you know, it, it's, 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 it's sort of like you know, wiggling in a certain way, mm-hmm. um, it almost looks like it's fluid. So you, you never know where it's going to be within, within its flex. And a lot of times you could even stop the gong from vibrating, you can just like cancel that mode out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can get it pretty close. And honestly, like the smaller the instrument, the easier it is to, to repeat. Yeah. So like, I've been doing a lot of pieces on, on, uh, like five inch gongs and 10 inch gongs lately. And, uh, you know, those I, I can get to, to, they're, they're pretty repeatable, but what I'm trying to bring forth is more a melodic idea around the gong by playing smaller instruments than necessarily the uh then playing like you know something that's like very drony or you know with, with a large gong.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you write this down in some form?
1: well mostly I memorize things unless I need people to play them.
0: Okay. I was then I record that notation them. would be really interesting to Yeah say. I've
1: thought a lot about uh notating the gong and and I've been looking at uh how other people do it. Uh with my students I, I generally will kind of create some kind of story and, and, and then follow like a storyline of some sort and then we'll say these instruments are coming in at this part of the story uh, and they're played in this way and they're and it's done for like this long and when you look at it it's like a lot of scribbling and because <laughs> as, as I'm trying to get people to compose very quickly uh, you know a lot of people have such hang-ups about composing or, or improvising or, or just music um, and, and, and a lot of people the gong is their first instrument, yeah. you know, and, and, and so they've never thought about writing a piece of music. And it's a lot of fun to write a piece of music, you know, just so to give somebody an opportunity to like very quickly, you know, and a lot of these pieces, like I'll write with people in like five minutes, you know, it's, it's like as quickly as I can write. And, and as long as everybody has like a part, you know, that's, that's been really fun. And, 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 uh, but I haven't been really specific with the notation. It's more like, here's a concept you're going to play in like this kind of way, or I'll give a certain stroke. Um, you know, try not to have everybody playing at the same time necessarily, but it's been great. Like, you know, learning how to write for metal instruments has been one of the most rewarding experiences in my life. Um, you know, it's, and and to share it with people, I think also has been great. I think I was, I was in a place right before, you know, COVID hit where I was like, you know, really like, I think I was like creating like a new new history around the instrument or something like that. It was like a new mark in history around how the gong could be used. Hmm. At least it's like how I was looking at it in my own personal myth, I guess we can say that's true. I don't know in the rest of like history and, (laughs) Um, But, you know, I I think that there are things happening with the gong right now, not just with me, but with like a lot of people, that uh, the instrument's just never been used in that way before. And there are more gongs now than there have ever been, Hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of fascinating.
0: (laughs) Um, You're in the Midwest right now, yeah?
1: I'm in Pittsburgh.
0: Pittsburgh, Or outside
1: of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm in Pennsylvania.
0: So they're probably not, are they op- starting to open stuff up?
1: Uh, things are opening and closing. Uh, yeah, we've had a really big spike recently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think we went up like, I think the highest was like 8% in the area or something like that. Okay.
0: Yeah. I was in Idaho and well, I had a whole incident, but I, was, I, hap- I happened to be talking to this woman um, who was helping me find my phone that I had misplaced in the watermelons. Um, and they, she was like, I was like, I'm so sorry to, you know, like hold you up. But she said, Oh no, we're, we're just, we're early. We're waiting to go see a play across the street. And I was like, wow, (laughs) you guys are the theaters open. I know, but it just made me think that, um, maybe in certain places they would, although I don't know if it's the places that are, that are the most excited about gongs. Um, but. I was wondering,
1: I've been been asked to do events. Um, I haven't done any, I, uh, you know, I was on tour whenever COVID happened and I was in Florida and and actually was in a concert when I decided that I had to cancel my tour and, uh, I came back to my parents' house in in Pennsylvania my father has multiple sclerosis. He's, he's paraplegic. Um, you know, it's, I mean, that was a crazy conversation to, you know, have to have with my parents, like, hey, I might be killing you if I come home. I've just been in, like, 40 cities, you know, like. Oh, wow. So, uh, but, I mean, everything was so crazy in in March, at least from my view of it. I mean, I just didn't know what was happening. Um, And I still don't really know what's happening.
0: No, although it's feeling more and more normal to, like, walk around and see everybody with face masks on, which I find really interesting psychologically. like yeah this is just this is what we do now you
1: know uh-huh yeah i'm, I'm still kind of uh understanding the psychological impact I, i've been very isolated i mean i'm around my family um but yeah i've been i've been pretty isolated
0: yeah
1: and uh i just don't want to bring anything to to, to my father i think that whenever i decide that i'm going to start being social again this is whenever like i'll move out of this mm-hmm. house and, and i'll go somewhere else mm-hmm. um but, yeah, I'm still trying to understand, you know. I mean, it's interesting because I was on tour for, like, six years. <laughs> and then it stopped. I mean, in the, you know, right. in the midst of that tour, you know, Galena and I divorced. And, and, uh, and you know, a lot of changes happened. You know, we tried to settle in California, and that didn't work. And, and, uh, and just, you know, a lot went on. Just touring for six years is insane. I mean, you know. So I I think everything stopped and then I was integrating that and at the same time I was integrating everything that was coming up about Yogi Bhajan and and, uh, it's been an interesting time just to look at my, what my life was and like, I mean, I think it was beautiful and, and, you know, worth it at the time, but then I was, I was so ambitious in in how I wanted to share music with the world and now I'm kind of like looking back and like, wow, missed out on some stuff because I was on the move, you know. for for years i mean like i have friends whose kids are like grown up now (laughs) like oh my god it's so long i was just (laughs) in the van you know (laughs) um
0: i think one would feel that way no matter what they chose to do though for for six years honestly yeah like the people with the kids are like god what did i do with my life the people without the kids are like god what did i do with my life you know
1: yeah (laughs) i guess we're all saying that but i think that's an interesting you know it's it's an interesting possibility if everybody's saying like oh my god what am i doing with my life or what did yeah. i do with my life
0: yeah uh, well maybe,
1: maybe people will decide to do something different or or you know
0: or just not. i don't know i think it just sort of comes with like understanding that you're never going to have every experience that you pass that you know it's possibly imaginable but that the experience you're having is the best one for you right now and you yeah. can always choose to change it
1: yeah, yeah. i mean I know that's kind of interesting towards, you know, like I, I had thought that I was going to change my life. you know I was, I was in this position where I was looking at the end of the tour, mm. you know, I was trying to figure out where it was and, and how to have enough money, uh, to, to move somewhere and be comfortable and maybe not have to work for a while. And then it was sort of, you know, thrusted upon me several months early. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, at the time, I kept saying, "All I need is a room, and I'll just create, you know, magic." And, and so, you know, I have all the instruments set up in my mother's house. I, I have. Well,
0: you I certainly know,
1: have a room. hundred instruments in this room, and then there's yeah. probably like forty in the room upstairs, and, wow. uh, and 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 I still have stuff in storage in California, but uh, there's plenty here for me to. Explore. I still have stuff
0: in storage in New Mexico. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what I'm gonna do with that.
1: I don't, uh, it's my next thing is going to be what, what do I do with all of my other stuff? Yeah. Cause I'm still paying on all this. Um. If I have them ship it to the East coast, it's going to be like $3,000. If sure. I, you know, I don't know if it's worth going back to the West coast or not right now for me. Um. But maybe hard to say.
0: If this all ended like right now and no, you know, no one was at risk or whatever, everything opened up. Do you think you would just go back on tour or would you do things a little differently?
1: Uh, I'm not ready to go back on tour right now, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, I guess like the hypothetical doesn't work for me because I, I don't know where <laughs> things are, where things are gonna go. Um, you know, there's just so much happening in the US right now. And do also- you want to? Do I want to go on tour? Not right now.
0: No. So you're always uh, good. It's funny you're not the you're not the only person I've heard say like, oh wow, this happened at a really great time for me because I was really looking to slow down. You know, sort
1: of yeah. Um. I mean, I think that there, I I had certain I had certain wants for this period of time that uh, you know, were, were were great disappointments. You know, not not to you know be able to explore and. and but at the same time, you know here I am, and, and for the first month, I think I was just, you know, kind of like a deer in headlights. I couldn't like, really use my imagination for a little bit. I mean, I was playing music, I think, this whole time, but like, I just I couldn't see past just being in this basement.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and then, I don't know, a few weeks ago, I was playing these bell plates, and, and, uh, and I decided I wanted to make my own bell plates. And so then I did all this math to, to create uh, four octaves of bell plates and uh-huh. which, you know, took a while. And, uh, and it was sort of just like using my imagination in another way, like, you know, for something that didn't exist yet, uh-huh. uh, it, it sort of opened things back up for me, you know, and, 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 that was, that was important. No, it's like, I've also been teaching this course called dig deeper uh, with, with Thomas Orr Anderson and, and Mitch Ner hmm. And Thomas is a physicist and an incredible musician and, and uh, sort of like a Taoist master, if if that wasn't kind of an oxymoron. But, um, and then Mitch Ner, who's also an amazing musician, he's a historian, uh, he's an eth- ethnomusicologist. Uh, the three of us have this class we've been doing three hours a week, um, three days a week, excuse me, three hours a day, three days a week. Um, And just about music. And some of it is about meditation. And some of it is about, uh, you know, talk about touring. Some of it is about the science around how sound works. Uh, It's always changing. We're just digging. Like we just like have an idea and then like we dig into it.
0: So is this something that you sign up for and you just are part of continually?
1: Yeah. We, I mean, at this point we've done, uh, I think we've done, we've done three seasons. We're about to start season four tomorrow. Okay. And, uh, so you can go back and get the, the past episodes or you can just join us continually.
0: Oh, cool. So where and, do you do that?
1: <clears throat> we do it on zoom.
0: But how, and, how do people sign up for it?
1: Oh, oh it's at uh, DigdeeperSound.com.:
0: Okay. I'll share that.
1: Yeah. And that's actually been, I think, you know, one of my saving graces because, you know, Mitch and Thomas have me thinking all over the place, but, uh, <laughs> but just in terms of like what I'm going to do with my life, you know, something came about whenever I was like, Hey, I'm going to make metal bell plates. And so, you know, I did all the math and now I've been uh, ordering the plates and I haven't, I need to drill the holes and, and sand them.
0: I don't even uh, know what you're talking about. What is a metal, metal plate? plates
1: is, like? uh, it's like this it's, it's like a flat. it's like a flat.
0: plate. Okay. It's and a certain it's, size. It's just called a bell because it rings, not because it's shaped like one.
1: Yeah, but it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's not shaped like a bell, it's a flat
0: plate. are also known as bilas. Okay,
1: um, cool. Probably other names that I, I don't know. But uh, so yeah, it's essentially a flat plate.
0: Make them a certain size to be at a certain note?
1: Yeah, so you have a ratio between the length and the width, and then also uh, the thickness of the metal mm. will matter. So the thicker the metal, the higher the tone. Mm. Um, and so, but if, if the metal is too thin, that it flexes too much to get yeah. a good tone. So right now I'm ex- experimenting with all that and, and I have some metal and it's great cause like I can just pick up the metal, you know, it's just a raw piece of metal, but I, I know where the nodal point is. So like a, a place where it's not vibrating and I can just like pick it up from that point and strike it and the tone is there. You know, it's like, man, I did that with math. Like I, 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 I <laughs> figured this out and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so I'm really happy about that. So I, I can't wait to, <laughs> to finish making these. Um, but but with that, it, it just opened up this, this new pathway in my thinking. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to be in the basement forever. What am I going to do? <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at now.
0: Sounds like trying to decide cool if
1: I want to be near my family or if I want to be you know in the country or if I want to be on the other side of the country.
0: Yeah, but it sounds like those bell plates are the key to everything for you.
1: <laughs> they could be. <laughs> um, but and, you know, it's just a, another way of looking at, at music and another way of looking at something that I love. Yeah. And, uh, and then I think also like brushing up on like math was really good for me right now. Yeah. But it's a different part of of, of my thinking and uh and so I think just going through all these calculations and just like letting it, you know, play out, cause I'm not just doing it for one note, um, you know, and I was looking at like different thicknesses of metal and then I wasn't even sure exactly what I was gonna get. Like I knew that it was gonna work in some way. Like I knew the intervals would be there, but I wasn't exactly sure what note it was gonna start on. Mm. Because like the thickness of the metal had, had a lot to do with that. So it was just like, I chose mm. this company because they used water jet cutting. And it was the easiest and their website was easy to use and can
0: cut metal with water.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's a very clean cut as well. Um, I thought I was going to cut all this stuff myself, but then whenever I realized as I was like, you know, trying to order the metal, I was like, Oh wait, they'll do it for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's way easier. <laughs>
1: so yeah, it's been nice. And, uh, they just called me today and, 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 and uh, I, th- I think we'll have a good relationship with each other. They're very, We're excited. I don't know if I'm going to make these for other people yet, but uh, no, I maybe know. I will. You know, I just want to make sure that I can make them well enough for other people to have. Uh-huh. It, you know, I'm okay with things being a little scratched or not mm-hmm. perfect, but whenever it goes towards selling, you know, an instrument to somebody else, I, I want it to be a work of craftsmanship. Uh, so I'm not there yet, but, but my imagination is working towards that point. Um, I mean, I think the last time we spoke, I had mentioned that I want to have a school mm-hmm. and, and I think that's still true. Um, you know, just a place for people to, to ponder music and learn about music and, and learn about sound, uh, and learn about how to really, you know, bring music and, 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 and listening into your life. Um, I think that's, I'd be happy if, if that's how, how do things
0: not, do you not have that,
1: <clears throat> Is
0: that a course that you're doing?
1: Well, I do, but I think in a place, oh, okay. there's something, I mean, places
0: might be passe, like,
1: <laughs> but uh, but that's my hope. I mean, so yeah. like if, thing, if everything was to like open up and, and like what you had, what you had said, <laughs> yeah. what I would do would be, you know, create a space for people to come and explore music together.
0: Oh.
1: But, uh, Yeah. I don't know if places are passe. I mean, I'm not sure how to live in that world yet. Um, you know, I don't know that I want to do everything on the computer. Uh, but I also don't want to put anybody at harm or or put myself at harm either. You know, so it's kind of a waiting period I think for a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm still being artistic. I don't feel maybe the same impulsive need to share every single thing that I do the way that I, I used to,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's kind of like a time where like ideas are cooking a little bit. I think also with like a lot of the more melodic instruments, <clears throat> you know, they're not as forgiving. Uh, melodic gongs are not as forgiving. You know, I can hit wrong notes. I could hit like one instrument way harder than I hit another instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a lot of fine tuning happening. I've been learning how to like play with two mallets in one hand. And uh, and so it's like, wow, I like getting different parts of my hand to work in different ways. Like it, it doesn't just do that. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I actually have to like physically train myself to be able to hold two mallets with one hand, uh, which lots of people can do. You know, I, I'm learning everything from watching vibraphone players. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: oh,
1: okay. Yeah, marimba, or you know, marimba players. Uh, but it's similar technique, but I didn't know that, like, a few weeks ago, and now I know how to do
0: it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's taking, you know, time, and, and I have the privilege right now to, you know, be with my family and, and you know, not be completely broke, mm-hmm. um, you know, so. The course has been good for that. Yeah, the course is a music school. I mean, we've, we've been talking a lot about creating, you know, a certification program once we had like 200 hours of conversations that we've had and then cool. and we'll see. Um, I mean, I, I think that's something that's come along with like, you know, Yogi Bhajan's empire falling apart is just like my want or need for certifications or want or need to give them out or,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. you know, it's, it's made me think a lot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still figuring out what it, what it all means. Cause I wasn't, I mean, I don't think anybody would really, you know, I'd say a few people would really know me as just a Kundalini yoga teacher, but I think the most people wouldn't You know think mm-hmm. that necessarily in terms of the first thing that they would think about me. Um, but still, you know I, I spent a lot of time. I dedicated a lot of time and energy to to learning all that. you know, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with it all, you know, and even like what's true
0: yeah, well, that's a whole other i, mean, uh, I would i if you haven't listened to Shubbid's podcast, it's called the one uh-huh. the one with Shubbid Mia's a two part series where he talks to Philip to slip about the history not just the history of kundalini yoga, but like the history of yoga in the united states uh-huh. pretty fascinating i don't know if you, you know, know a little really bit about it
1: good. from like pierre bernard and uh some of the the, the tantric stuff that was going on in, in, in the west coast and uh-huh. i read the great om
0: okay well so you quote. might you might be familiar with some of it but i found it really fascinating and how like how the um the information or the spreading of information from Yogi Bhajan was sort of this like synergistic thing between what his students were expecting him to teach Mm -hmm. and what he knew Mm -hmm. or what he wanted to teach. So um, it it was, it's a very interesting podcast. I will.
1: Oh yeah, I'll check that out. But I, I can understand that. I mean, like a lot of my learning since becoming a teacher was, you know, actually being able to accept what I don't know, Mm-hmm. And then allowing people's questions to guide my learning
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, and and that's been really useful for me. You know, I mean, first off, to be able to admit that like, I don't know everything,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, that, like there's a lot that's out of my, my wheelhouse, but, um, but then I think it's also made me appreciate the people who do know things that I don't know.
0: Yeah. And, and, and still you still know, don't know everything.
1: Yeah. I, I never <laughs> will. I mean, yeah. Um, but you know i I've been able to you know talk to physicists and talk to doctors and you know learn more about what's actually going on in in, in these sorts of experiences and then understand like what we don't actually know at all yeah. that like you know just like we don't understand as human beings yet we don't have the enough technology to measure it or or enough brain power to even process what we're measuring. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's still a lot of of dots that need connected. Um, But it's, I don't know. I I, I think that I'm more humble now than whenever I first started teaching.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I think that I was kind of an asshole whenever I first started teaching Kundalini Yoga. Like, I think that, like, I sort of deemed it as, like, being this high, high path.
0: Well, maybe relative to who you, you are now, but I don't think I'd ever heard anybody call you an asshole. And I certainly didn't think you were one. But.
1: Well, I think just in terms of maybe what was going on in my mind, and yeah, was, uh, I talked a little bit about judgment and the last time we were together, but, uh, but I think that maybe I was judging other yogas. I was teaching in a yoga studio. Oh, yeah. There was yeah. like hot yoga going on and, and it was just Perfect. like, oh, you know, like what they don't even do shavasana. They don't even meditate. What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like all of this
1: shit talking in my head. And, and I, I, I feel like, yeah. man, I could have spent my, my time actually talking to people and really getting to know them better and and, yeah.
0: just,
1: and uh, not, Hot
0: yoga is awesome. I love hot yoga. <laughs>
1: I have a hard time breathing in the hot yoga class, but, uh,
0: yeah, well that, that makes sense. They, they actually, when I first started doing, so it was, um, it was Bikram at the time that I first started doing hot yoga and they used those horrible carpets. Oh yeah. And so every Bikram studio that I went into had like a very distinct smell of like dried up sweat. Oh yeah. Kind of moldy. But so now they have these—they—they they have like a special flooring for them that they can easily mop up, and they're like a laminate or something. Uh-huh. I'm So grateful for.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I haven't practiced in a couple months because.
1: I've played in some different so. studios over the years, and uh, <laughs> and I mean, it's always you know super hot walking in there, and the gongs steam up, and I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not a class; it's usually like after their class.
0: They cool. Yeah, and the I was wild.
1: And I—I—I've had almost like hallucinations playing gongs, and and. Bikram Studios.
0: <laughs> Did they not cool down the room?
1: <laughs> yeah, but they got it maybe into like the 80s.
0: Okay. <laughs> that's that's the temperature of my house for like five months of the year when I lived in Phoenix because we oh, were yeah. too cheap to pay for like the cooler AC. We'd keep it like 80 to 82 and have the fans yeah. going. Oh my yeah, God. the air would just
1: be like thick. The gong would be sweating.
0: But it was a dry heat. So. Oh yeah. yeah. This was
1: more like a wet heat.
0: No, Yeah, Bikram's humid.
1: Yeah. I just, I think that I've, I've grown up a lot and, and, um, you know, I'm grateful and honestly, you know, it's like I'm grateful for all the teachers that I've had. I feel like they were hopefully doing their best. I don't think that, uh, anybody knowingly tried to pull one over on me. I hope not. You know, I, I've really only had like one truly negative experience with, you know, anyone in the, in the community. Um,
0: yeah. You know, I, so it's like, a, everybody a that's
1: experience. my friend, I still consider it to be my friend. Like, I just don't have to do the same thing as everybody,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I had so many wonderful, wonderful experiences. I mean, it, overall, it was, it was a great journey. I just knew I couldn't stay in it anymore.
1: Yeah. There was, after I finished uh, recording When the Music's On, I knew that I wasn't going to do another chanting album. Mm-hmm. Um, and Did you
0: release your music as Harnak before? Or no, it was always Crown of Eternity.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so it was it's been other under, under my name and then Crown of Eternity and then Brother Ong. I was doing that okay. for a while with like some so I was playing the Shahi Shahibaja and, and Zither and doing like kind of like walls of effects and, and different Ong. sounds as well. <clears throat> um so yeah, and and you know I, I didn't really use uh, Harnick that much. Um, at a certain point, it just got it got so confusing because I, I wanted to keep <laughs> my my career going with Mike Tamburo and and.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, I, I thought you were we, gonna say because you guys both had the same name. That would be confusing <laughs> to me.
1: Yeah, I mean sometimes it was. I mean we never really called each other that.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, I mean we we actually had like kind of like sort of like a mishmash of like a Bulgarian term of endearment <laughs> that we had called each other. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, at, at a certain point I just, I don't know, it's just like that fire to to share it in that way. I think that like all of the the mantras that I'd seen used in Kundalini yoga, like the ones that I felt a connection to, I, those are the ones I recorded. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I hope that those recordings are really useful for people still. I mean, I, I made them with like so much heart and so much love. And I tried to put a lot of creativity, you know, a lot of my idea behind the the kundalini is, is that it is meant to make us more creative and, mm-hmm. and, you know, meant to open us up in a different way. And, and I tried to make a music that, uh, that supported that, you know, that supported the experience and, and, and how consciousness changes over time and... And uh, <clears throat> you know, so I put a lot of love into those recordings. Yeah. And Galena did too. So I mean, I I, I look at them as like gifts to the community. If they can be you know useful for people, uh, I'm really grateful. I'm I'm not embarrassed that uh, you know I made mantra music or anything like that. I'm I'm very much like, you know, it's an important part of my life. Um, uh-huh. You know, people have written me and told me that they had, you know, life-changing experiences around listening to some of those CDs. And so, I mean, that that's really meaningful to me.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I concur. And they were beautiful albums. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh. Well, no, say what you were going to say. I was going to say,
1: you know, I, I, I've never wanted to make the same album over and over again. <laughs> and so, you know, if you look at my very large discography, you know, you'll see certain threads running through, but uh, but there's always evolution, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I I can't imagine, you know, if, if I'm gifted, you know, more and more years, you know, what kind of music I'll make from this day, you know, mm-hmm. forward, you know, it just, it keeps building.
0: Oh, I like that. Well, I like that as a place to close, too. Okay. Thank you so much for being on my podcast again.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Oh, I hope a I explained to to about some of what we were talking about earlier.
0: Yeah, well it's always just sort of like the first yeah. step. You know it doesn't have to doesn't have to you don't have to keep walking there.
1: Yeah. It's a lot to process though. Um you know just everything that's been that's going on and, and uh you know, all this information coming out and and you know I don't talk about it a lot actually. Mm-hmm. I've made like one friend that I talked to about all this stuff. And it's and, hard
0: to talk about to people who aren't, who aren't in it, who weren't in it, yeah. it. It really is difficult to understand from the outside.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's also difficult to understand where everybody is coming out in their own relationship to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's like you can hurt somebody's feelings by saying the wrong thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't really want to hurt anybody's feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just kind of processing my own experience around this. And, uh, which I you know, I guess that's up to all of us. You know. Yeah. I, I hope that it creates a, a really creative space for people. Yeah. You know, and I and I hope it is freeing for people. Because I, I don't think that you should go into a system where, you know, the soul, the purpose is to be creative and, and to allow it to limit you. Mhm. And and so at this point if we can you know, look at at, at what we've learned from this, you know, and, and allow us to think of new possibilities and uh and allow us to really consider like what do we is is tradition even important to us you know i think those are good questions anyway
0: excellent all right have a great rest of your evening i guess you are. yeah uh Uh, so much love to you
1: bye take care
0: thank you so much for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed it please leave us a review that helps other people find it i love you bye